We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And this is kind of a two-part episode, and we're recording it before the Denver game has been played, but this is being released after the Denver game has been played. So if there is some context to that game that might color this conversation, and of course every game provides that, it won't be in this pod That said, in the last episode, we talked about the team's approach, Anthony Davis, and kind of Mike uh, Mike and Darius both did a great job of summarizing it at the end, but the idea of the body and the mind being connected, and we're in kind of this woe is me place. And these are our circumstances, right? And we have to be in the moment to dig ourselves out of this hole. And so we're going to be talking about this week ahead, because this week ahead, presents a a great opportunity to make a lot of that progress. So have the Denver game, which has already been played. We've got the Clippers. Then we've got Portland, I believe, and then Phoenix, and then the Knicks after that. And so Darius, this is a week where how, how do we survive this week? We're playing such bad basketball that what are the steps of getting from the caliber of basketball we're playing, which is very low, to being able to compete with these teams? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can only sort of chuckle, right, just because of the most recent stretch of Lakers basketball has been so below the standard that they expect from themselves, much less like what fans or observers expect from them, right? Um The first thing I will say is that I think no one cares more than the people in that room. 
about getting it right about and coming out of this on the other side with a sense of where they're going to go. I think that this team understands it has a purpose. I think it's it's channeling and accessing that purpose and what they're actually trying to accomplish that needs to sort of come back to the center of the frame, right? Um, I I said that last pod. I said you 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 know I don't want to really continue to try to compare this year's team to last year's team. Um, but if there is a thing that I'd love for this year's team to to sort of um, try to access from last year's team, it is that sort of daily sense of purpose that that team brought to what it was to to its job every single day right that the the goal of what that team was brought together to do was always in the center of the frame and as we talked about on the last pod um that's not quite where this team is at right now i think that their priorities are a little bit shifted off of the bigger idea of let's win the championship to these sort of like more smaller goals that they think will help facilitate that right mike the idea of like let's get healthy let's let's try to be at our best physically let's try to understand how these personnel groupings work together right and so pete to answer your question i think they need to sort of be more intentional with what they're doing maybe that's lineup based Maybe that's like minutes based. Um, I think that's like coaches stuff, right? And execution stuff. From the player's perspective, though, I just think they sort of need to come together and decide what do we want now at this point. And I would think a conversation like that would lead them to the point of like, well, we want to win. That's why we're here, right? And so, Mike, from from your perspective is – is there anything looking forward, even beyond the Denver game, but just sort of like seven games left in the season? It, if there was a checklist, right? I, I don't know about you guys, but I have a checklist that I have like before I like go on a vacation or something to make sure that I didn't forget like my my computer charger or something like that. If there was a checklist for the Lakers from your perspective, not what you think is on theirs, but from your perspective, are, are there things that you think should be included on this list to, to sort of get them to the point that when they walk out the door, they're not thinking like, Oh shit, I forgot this major thing that I'm going to need when I'm gone for, you know, two weeks. Did I ever tell you guys about when I forgot my shirt and tie for the Mavericks game uh, like three years ago. No, no. What happened? Uh, That's going to be tough. You're in a, you're in a different city. You got to. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. So it was a back to back and we gotten in the night before it it was either a back to back or there was some circumstance where it was just the one game trip though. So I, I don't have a checklist, but I, you know, having traveled to every road game except for this year, since 2008, I've got a, a system at least and it starts with the packing. And the most important thing is to get the suits lined up, right? And figuring out, okay, if there's if it's a five-game trip, I'm going to get by with 
two or three suits, but I need the five shirts, I need the five ties, I need the five pocket squares. Can possibly overlap a pocket square or two if it's white shirt, uh, et cetera. But bottom line is, you know, this is a system, and that's the part that takes the longest. The rest of it's like, all right, throw in five pairs of boxers and work out, five t-shirts, a sweatshirt if it's cold, whatever. Um, try to get by with two pairs of dress shoes so I can alternate, or or I can go one if I go blue and gray. Anyway, here's the point. So we get to Dallas, and I have my suit bag. And so that's hung up in the closet. And I like to, I have a little system where I get a workout in and then I basically shower and go straight to the bus. So I, I don't like to have any time wasted in between. And it's, it's like, there is no time for error though. And this is what happens. So I unzip the suit. I look inside and it's just the suit. It's pants and it's a uh, coat. And I'm, I'm like, okay, my first hit of the pregame show is in, exactly an hour like if i have to get on i can't wait for the next bus or i'm gonna miss uh this hit Go no ahead, that's a kyle kuzma look mike so did you pull a kuz yeah right? <laughs> i could have gone open <laughs> shirt. that was suggested that was suggested so i what i did have i had a wow, match that would have been that, great for ratings and the guys, only shirt that i had because I, the, the what i had worn there like i i only had a t-shirt a manchester united t-shirt which was black and it could have potentially would have just been the logo and that would have been cool to rep the squad. Maybe their Twitter account would have shouted me out or something. Uh, and actually my boss, Tim Harris is also a Manchester United fan. So I thought I had a chance there, but nonetheless, so I quickly called down to the front desk and I say, Hey, I've got about 15 minutes. <laughs> is, is there anywhere close enough? And I've been to this place before. It's, it's the Crescent court uh, area of uptown Dallas, which is super nice, super fancy part of town. And Either unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, there is a store, but it's super high end. And it's the only store that I have that I possibly have a chance to buy something. At. Like it's not like there's a Nordstrom rack around the corner uh, where I can go and get a nice, you know, crisp white shirt for like 30 bucks uh, in, a, in a tie that still looks good for 10 bucks. So and it, and it too, I'm like I was raised. Uh, I, I don't we don't need to get too deep into how I was raised, but there is a little <laughs> bit of frugality in me where sure. even if i have like if i've if i've finally gotten to the point where i have some more spending money like i'm still looking at the price tag i'm still kind of going over it where it, it frustrates me about myself it's like just relax right. you can buy the nicer shirt and so but okay. i i only have about two minutes to make this decision and i get down there the guy's like yep uh so here's the shirt okay that looks good and then i he's like okay where are the ties at oh wow this is a really nice tie how much is that one Oh, oh, this one, this one's and the price tags aren't on it. Oh, so this one is two hundred and twenty-five dollars. I'm like, what? So I end up finding. I'm like, do you? Ha and I, I don't know how to ask the guy. So I say it in a way. I'm like, look, is there something on a slightly lower price level <laughs> than this? And the cheapest tie is is like hundred and thirty bucks. And I've never spent more than probably like I love ties shopping at either Macy's or Nordstrom Rack, right? You, you can get a nice looking tie. Or in fact, I bought 20 ties uh, when the Lakers were in China um, at, at the market, which I was very proud of how I negotiated. I got like 20 silk ties for about three American dollars total um, to the point where the, like the person that I bought them from was mad. Uh, like you've got more than that, don't and you? you and like, that is a victory. Yes, yeah, making that was a yeah. victory. And, and, and I, I did the same thing in Italy years ago. Anyway, so this is all. I'm, I'm, I need to wrap this up soon. But the bottom line is, I end up this. having to spend four hundred and forty dollars on one shirt and one tie. And I, I get them. I'm literally buttoning it up as I run onto the bus. The bus is leaving, um, and I, I like just literally get my foot in the bus as the door is closing. I get off the bus. 
tie the tie as I'm like walking out to the court. The whole thing, it, it's still, I still am scarred from it. Um, and <laughs> I, Darius, I, I hope that this, this fits into your packing story in some way. Uh, but I, I still have, I still have nightmares about that. And I'm, and I'm so far down this rabbit hole of the story and so traumatized by it that I don't even remember how I was going to tie in the point. This is, this is incredible. I just, for future reference, I know we're supposed to be mad about the Lakers right now. Who knows how the Denver game went, (laughs) but like more stories like this, please just, that's my vote. Anyhow. Uh, Yes. Darius, get him back back on track. Yeah. Yeah. Get him back on track. No, no, no. So, so look, after the Denver game, there, there are seven games left in the season, right? Is there a list of uh, things that you'd like to sort yes. of see incrementally for them to sort of get to, to the point where you're feeling more com- yeah. comfortable, right? Because I feel like you've been a big picture guy and, and tried to balance out sort of the Pete's been on Pete saying that the team feels a little bit of woe is me. But I think that the fan base and, and even me to a certain extent has been rightfully in some ways, but just down on where the team is right now. But there is a build back for them to get to the point where they look more like themselves. Getting to that point does not guarantee anything, right? Winning is hard, but they need to give themselves a chance here. And right now, the way that they've been playing going into the Nuggets game, they have no chance. That version of the team has no chance, but there is a version of the team that will have a chance, but they have to take some steps to get there. So if you had a list of things that would on that would be on your Lakers packing list for things that they need to bring with them in their journey to to the playoffs, like what are two or three things that you would want to see over this last stretch of games that, that sort of get you more in the mindset of, yeah, this is more what yes. I'm talking Thank about. Thank you for indulging uh, that and for explaining it again. And that was the point of the checklist originally. And that now I damn sure don't forget any ties uh, or shirts that was <laughs> crystallized into the story. And I asked Darius a similar question to Anthony Davis that you just asked me the uh, last night. And I think that the the uh, the answer from what that he gave me and that what Frank Vogel gives you is obvious. It's what we've been talking about a year. It's you start on the defensive end, right? Like that's where this Lakers team gets its energy from. That's where then they're able to run out and transition, et cetera. So, but we haven't we haven't seen that yet. And barring whatever happened in the Denver game, and here's what to go back to kind of the point that that you made earlier, Pete. This part of the schedule, I think, to me, I think it's better that they're getting these good teams now because that's going to force them to a play better from the start and b be mentally engaged before they go into the game knowing that they're gonna have to play a certain way and for whatever reason that's when the last four games right orlando washington sacramento toronto they none of those teams were going into the game were ones where the lakers looked at and thought okay we have to bring a certain element here Part of that was based on the standings to an extent. I think they still saw themselves in the five spot to whatever extent. And it it allowed them to to play into that. And what was me, it's a little harsh because they have had a lot of stuff not go their way. But it it has played into that mentality. And I think that this week and change now um, can can help break them out of that by necessity. Yes. And how seriously this Lakers team takes an opponent has an enormous impact on how well they play or how hard they play, right? One of the hallmarks of this team, one of its 
this is both a positive and negative trait. And I've seen I've seen so many Lakers teams like this that the Lakers teams that don't have this trait are the exception rather than the rule. But this team is really arrogant, right? There's no worse team in the NBA than the Lakers when they're up by 25. They completely stop playing. It's almost a contempt of their opponent type of like, oh, we don't care. Like waltz into the paint and dunk. It's fine. Throw, throw lobs, go on this 12-0 run over a minute 30, right? And we never end up losing that game, right? We always close it out. But there is a – and I think that's underlied our approach toward the season in a, like, we'll be fine. We're the Lakers. We know how good we are. And that if they look at a – that makes them vulnerable to teams like the Sacramento Kings or Toronto Raptors team that was in the, in the 12 seed – but if they go into a game taking a team seriously, and this is a whole week of games that will kick the crap out of you, even if you play okay, right? They have a like Denver is a really good, obviously Jamal Murray being out, but Denver is a team that they're before this game is a nine and one, right? Coming into this game without Murray, you've got the the Clippers, right, which present problems for us on the wing. There's a reason for Lakers to go into these games respecting them and i think that makes an enormous difference tiny quick point though i do think that is it's not just the lakers like that is a general sports thing in sure. major, the, the, in nets, yeah. the yeah. nets are arrogant too right just like, teams that are good they know they're like, like that's how you get through the the 82 games or in baseball the 162 games mm-hmm. like how many games should, should the dodgers really lose so that, it's, it's just human and, nature no, no no that's the thing is i it's 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 a term that has uh such negative connotation to it but like People who are great at something are almost always arrogant because it's an, the arrogance of all of the time that you've put in to get to that point, right? To become that good that it's like, you know, nobody can touch me because I put in the time and I've like, I've gotten myself to this point, right? The humbleness is for everyone else, man. The arrogance is for me, right? Like that's how- <laughs> We gotta, no, we gotta I, like, I'm that. Just saying, we gotta- <laughs> I'm just saying that that's how- I feel like that's how you need to operate or that's how that's how you want like the best to operate. Right. Like I'm going to be humble to everyone else. Right. They could all sort of see. Oh, yeah. Oh, shucks. Like like I feel so humbled that I was, you know, that I led the league in all star vote voting and won the MVP award. Oh, it's so humbling. Right. That I won the MVP award. Right. Right. And that's great. That's for everyone else the very best go in thinking I'm going to kick your ass. That's what it is right now. And and so the Lakers have that in spades. Yes, but there's a good arrogance and then there's a bad arrogance. The, the bad is. version of that is when you expect things to, to happen because you walk in and say, we are the defending champion Lakers. Behold our glory, bend the knee, right? You have to actively, you have to outwork and you have to out, play anyway talking about this this whole pod's been us getting off on a on different tangents but that's just yeah. to underscore the point that i think a week of games against really good teams is exactly what we need to get the juices flowing let's switch the tactics yeah for a second because i think there are tactically some things that the lakers need that they've been showing us that don't necessarily align with what i think their mentality what is at the root of those Frank Vogel quotes about playing Lakers basketball, right? 
because the version of the Lakers that we've been seeing, it's does not really resemble, I think, what Frank Vogel is in pursuit mm-hmm. of as a head coach. I think that starts with Vogel defensively. Pete, yes. you you had mentioned yes. a pod or two ago that we are not sort of seeing like the same blitzing attack. They showed it in that first Mavs game. And since then, we have not seen a lot of that. It's been more drop coverage, um, this idea of no roller behind a little bit. Like um, they've done some switching, but not a lot. I think they've switched by necessity um, or, or because they've been forced into switches rather than actively doing That's right. it in order to throw off their, their opponent. And um, the Lakers have been dictated to. I think defensively much. much more than they've been trying to dictate to, to opponents. And so one of the things I'd like to see them get back to is playing with a bit more force and playing with a bit more um, assertiveness defensively, because I think that will assist them offensively a little bit more. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are, are there specifics that you've been seeing on tape and in your rewatches or even live? Because I know that you pick up a lot of this stuff live too. Like that you're thinking this isn't quite what I expect um, or I really wish this was different or or whatever direction you want to go with that. Yeah, that's I'm so glad you you asked me this question because this has been on the forefront of my mind. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, talk a little bit about our pick and roll coverages. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. 
Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So this specific question has played into my me coming more and more to the conclusion that we have really heavily philosophically moved toward conserving energy and health uh, because as, as LeBron said the other night, right? Like none of it matters if, if he doesn't have that and if we don't have that. And so it's a, a very defensive position, right? Like where, when everything goes wrong, if you're in a, if you're in a battle, if, if everything is going, is going wrong, you close ranks, right? If you suffer some casualties, you close ranks and get into more of a defensive position to prevent, suffering more losses right and so how what does that have to do with pick and roll coverage we're running a lot of that no roller behind coverage version and that so there are two main versions of a drop coverage one is this no roller behind that we talked about and then the other is tagging in a no roller behind coverage let's think about andre drummond and his attributes as a player what he's good at what he's what he's not good at and this this is just athletically you don't even this is something that you don't have to understand the specifics of cuts and things like that. Just watch Andre Drummond, watch how he moves, watch what he does well, watch what he doesn't. One of the things that we lament is his finishing around the rim. Part of that is because he's not a very good one-foot jumper, which a lot of times when you're rolling, you don't have the opportunity to jump stop and get two feet under you. And when he's able to get two feet under him, he's an okay jumper. But if he's jumping off of one foot, he just can't get 280 pounds that high up into the sky off, off of one foot. And how this applies to our pick and roll coverage and this no roller behind is everybody has a job on and and his is the most important and it's the first job of a pick and roll defense, your defensive big. So his job in a no roller behind coverage is say, say a guard, say Kyle Lowry, right, comes around a screen. Drummond's job is to contain him, right? And so you'll see him get into a deep stance, get his arms out wide. That's what you want from a technique standpoint. You're a square to the ball. You don't want to be turned. JaVale used to do this, right, where he'd turn one hip and he'd kind of invite, here, you dribble to the basket, attack the basket. I'm going to see if I can block it. It boosts your block numbers. It's also why you give up layups. Anyway, Drummond, good job squaring up, getting wide. He gets... He has a really deep bend for a player his size, so he can get really low, and that's what allows him to laterally cover a great deal of distance. So, But his job isn't to come all the way up onto the ball handler while doing that. It's not to pressure him, because the reason why it's called no roller behind is if he comes up too close to the guy with the ball, he's going to throw it to the roller, right? Going to throw that lob up into the air, and that guy is going to dunk it, right? So he can't come too close to the guy because if that guard throws that pass, his job is to backpedal and jump into the air to break that up or disrupt it. We saw JaVale do this a ton. We saw uh, Anthony Davis, when he's at his best, can do this. Dwight, as he's getting older, it's harder for him, but he can still do it. But going back to the athletic attributes of Andre Drummond, if you're asking Andre Drummond to backpedal and jump in the air, that's one of the th- he's not going to do that as well as cover distance on the perimeter, move around laterally, right? So 
there have been so many times throughout these games where, like, say the Kings game, where the most lethal thing that they had was a pick and roll with Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes is one of the better rollers in the league. And we had these coverages where we're asking Drummond to show on the ball handler and then haul ass back to Holmes. And he's good at that. But against the better role guys in the league, that you're giving up the advantage there. You want to put more attention onto those guys. And so these are the types of changes. Like we could have shut Sacramento's water off whenever we wanted to, but we didn't. And that's part of why I'm like, wow. And the reason why we don't tag is because that's asking Anthony Davis to cover more distance. That's asking all of the guys to get into rotation, to expend more energy. It's why we're not switching. It's why the only time we've really trapped the ball handler was when it was freaking Luca, right? Is all of this points to... I don't know this for sure, but to me, this is what all of the evidence points to is that almost every decision we're making, including the basketball decisions, have been from a perspective of what can preserve players' bodies physically the best. And what it's doing is it's putting guys in their least effective athletic positions. Yeah, Pete, I think you're I think you're right on it with that point. And Kuz was getting at this a little bit the other night and trying to figure out why the Lakers are where they're at um, at this moment and how they can get back to where they were. But the mentality of LeBron and AD need to be healthy for this team to do anything is, of course, 100 percent true. But in in completely focusing on that from and that's part of just how the team is wired right now you're also getting away from the place where they had they, they had gotten to the level of knowing they had to compete their best every night to win games when those two were out. So these are conflicting thoughts. These are what they've been wrestling with, I think, these during these six games in which AD's been back and during the two that LeBron's been back where, okay, well, now just, just completely kind of uh, think of a kind of an animal that doesn't have a large brain. Okay, that when you get onto the court and you see LeBron and AD – in you're a role player, your mind goes right back to being a role player that just has to do certain things. KCP is a great example of this. Where and, and he's by the way still playing pretty well, I think. So I'm not, but he for a while this season was just kind of locked into okay, here's my role. If LeBron gets me the ball, I shoot it. That's it. I, I'm not going to be aggressive. I'm, I'm just and it, it built on that. When those two were out, he started to be really aggressive and he found his game again. And now you can take that metaphor and extend it to the whole team. And it also has to do with what Kuzma's been talking about with connectivity or lack thereof and togetherness. He, he even brought up Marcus Saul's name unprompted, saying, and this is a whole other thing, by the way, guys. We could take that whole point aside that a player mm-hmm. is advocating for a player that hasn't been playing, that was playing, and not naming the players. It's like saying, that, well, Devin Booker should have made the All-Star team. Well, yes. who's off? Who's off the All-Star team? Yeah, yeah. You, you don't only, want to answer that part of the question. And there's only a couple anyway. <laughs> yeah, options for it. So it's just an interesting way of tying it all together. But that's that too, Pete, I think hits on right what you were saying. And it's also why I haven't given up the the idea, Darius, that they do get back to it. Because we know that, that it's there and that they can get to it. And they're going to sort of have to uh, before the season ends here, Pete. No, and but that's – this is such a good point, Mike, that we are – 
an attacking team. We have like every team has a certain personality to it. And some teams are more conservative and they are really good at not making mistakes and being precise. Utah fits this, right? Like Utah plays a more conservative protect the rim style of defense where it's, it's right. That's not the style of play that we play. We are attackers. We are Raiders of the castle. Right. And so we've had to kind of assume a defensive position where I would argue that we've gone too far in that direction and we need to get back to that attacking mentality because we've assumed this defensive position because there have been so many injuries. Dennis out with the health and safety protocols again. Um, There's a reason to assume that, but it's not our actual nature right is to be our nature is to be out on on the attack and so i think that we'd need to start making changes that put the players more into that mindset in the first place i feel like i've said it's tricky a billion times but finding the identity in which you want to be in which you've had no continuity is a problem in and of itself right And I think that's also one of the things that the Lakers have been wrestling with this season is that the team that just lost those games, again, we do not know what happened against the Nuggets, but that is a fundamentally different team than the team that started the season. And you can say that about the progression of of last year's championship team as well. Right. Like last year's champ championship team that season started and Quinn Cook was in the lineup getting a bunch of minutes. And there were all of these sort of lineup decisions that were being made. Right. Troy Daniels was in the rotation and and there were all of these things that the Lakers were doing that changed by the end of the regular season. The the journey, though, that uh, that. There was a journey that led to those changes, though. Those changes happened organically. They happened because as the season wore on, data was accumulated and determinations were made that this is our identity. These are the strengths we're going to play to. And this is how we're going to accomplish the goal. This year, Mike, there have been changes that have sort of been brought on to that have sort of been put onto the Lakers, right? And the team that is now here the reason why it's different isn't necessarily just because of organic changes. Like it's not from learned history together. It's like, Hey, guess what? LeBron and AD were out for a bunch of time. Oh, Andre Drummond's available on, on the buyout market. Marcus all you're going to the bench. And a lot of that stuff happened without the team's two best players there to sort of help facilitate the decision-making in that the decisions were made without having a lot of on-court reps to sort of show that that was the best way to do it. And zero practice. Yeah. And zero practices. The Lakers have not had, and look, NBA teams are practicing less and less in general, like even before COVID and, and all of that. But look, man, I remember seeing a bunch of like, I follow the Lakers on Instagram. I see what they're like, Hey, practice today. The, like there were pictures damn near every other day of those dudes in the gym practicing. And you have seen way less of that content this year from the Lakers. And it's because they're not practicing. And the idea of being able to build this stuff together. And so it it wouldn't surprise me, Mike, that 
Kuz maybe drops Mark Gasol's name. You know why? Because Mark Gasol was part of that original group. He was he was part of the original plan, and the plan has changed underneath everyone's feet without sort of giving everyone the opportunity to sort of determine on the court if if it should change or not. And finding that identity now that you're sort of calling out for, Pete, of let's play more aggressively, let's move in this this direction, some of those decisions would be made without necessarily having a bunch of data to back it up. Right. And there's a bunch of different things now. It's like pulling something out out of the hat, like let's do this. But but it is based off of the idea of what the team wants to be. And so pick a lane and go there, I think, is what you're saying. All of that is future tense. Right. It's what we will be, what what will happen going forward. But there has to be a, a decision made and a direction that's taken. And to that end, um, I'd love to talk lineup stuff with you guys. Uh, I there's been so much talk about the starters that a lot of these games have gone sideways in the second quarter specifically or at the end of the first right and we're playing these lineups where there are three plus guys on the court in it together that are minus defenders and I'm talking Trez and and Macklemore right and now, with us playing back more, we've been showing higher with Trez than we have with Drummond, by and large. But we're still we still have Trez defending the rim a lot, and like defensively, he's fairly simple. And if he's around the basket, he's not going to provide you much. If he's out on the perimeter, he has the potential to. He's also, I think, a bellwether for how hard we are playing on the defensive end. Like if the team as a whole is not locked in, he's going to be the least locked in guy. Or anyway, I digress. Between him, Macklemore, uh, THT makes a lot of young player mistakes, although he hasn't been as as weak as the other two. And Keefe can be either often like when Keefe is mentally focused, he's a good defender, but that's not always. Anyway, we have these lineups where we've got like three, sometimes four guys that are poor defenders that have not played together. Right. So there isn't that connectivity that, that, that Kuz, Kuz was talking about the other night and to me, I'm dying for I'm dying for the defensive players who will be mentally engaged, who know their job, who will go hard on every play. And that's Wes and Mark. And there's been with Mark in particular, there's been so much talk of him alongside Drummond that to me, if the change to make is Mark for Trez with the second unit, right? Where we go we have a plus defender at the most important position if you're going to have like say Ben Mclemore Mclemore can shoot the hell out of the ball some of the threes that he makes Vogel calls them bad catch threes right where like it, the pass is way off target but he's catching it bringing it back in the way that Mclemore can shoot can be very valuable to a team like the Lakers in the postseason and so I understand the, hey, we need to get Macklemore some minutes, but especially in postseason lineups, you can't have Macklemore and another minus defender on the floor at the same time. And, and so anyway, Mike, I'm I'm dying to see the our plus defenders get back in because that's the end of the floor. We really need to get under control. Well, this is the part of the conversation. And this I think this plays into both what you and Darius were saying. This is 
inevitable. You are you are not necessarily that it's going to be Matthews or Gasol, but once they get into a matchup, then Frank Vogel is going to get back to the place where he was last playoffs, where he's deciding who are the exact right matchups for this matchup mm-hmm. and who are the exact right players to utilize in this matchup. And I think that's when, especially when you play a, a team twice, like the Lakers lost game one to Portland, and they lost game one to Houston and then pounded them for the rest of the series. And they figured out, okay, here's, here's what we have to do in this series. And that all of those questions about personnel, Pete, part of it gets taken away if you're healthy because you're just, you're not going to your nine, 10, 11, 12 as much. And part of it gets taken away by matchups. And if there is a team that has, even remote size in their second unit, you just can't really play Trez in that because it's you're just going to be hemorrhaging at the rim. Look what happened against Washington, for example. Like that, that's a type of matchup where it's got to be Drummond, Gasol, and then you know even AD to an extent. Because if you put a small guy um, like Trez out there, sure he might he might get you some offensive pop. But guess what? You don't need the offense as much. Once you get to a postseason matchup when LeBron and AD are conceivably playing 35 minutes, uh, you've got Schroeder out there. Right. You've got some other you've got even THT like I'd rather have THT's type of offense than Trez's because if THT is creating off the dribble and getting into the paint, it doesn't matter who he's dropping it off to. Uh, Well, okay, shouldn't say it doesn't matter. Trez finishes better than than other guys. He catches the ball better than Drummond. But you get the idea. So it's the same thing with Macklemore. Then if if Frank wants to has to have that shooting like last year, if did he have to go to J.R. Smith? Who could hit that shot, even though Macklemore's a better shooter? No, but it's there, and that's great. You can use it, but but you don't have to be a part of the regular rotation. So I just think that the Lakers, what they have to focus on is getting at this point to any matchup. I'm not I'm not at this point being picky as much nope. about like Clippers, Nuggets, oh, this Suns, Jazz. You know, I I just want I want them to get to the point where Frank and AD and LeBron are are healthy and you know what you're going to get mentally and physically, and then that will filter down through the rest of the roster with a shortened rotation. I've been saying this a lot, but the Lakers need to work on their end of the bargain. They mm-hmm. can't worry about any of any of the other parts of this equation, right? They can't worry about what side of the bracket they're in. They can't worry about who their first round opponent is going to be, because guess what? If the Lakers don't start to find ways to play better, then none of that matters anyway. Right. In the same way that LeBron said, if I'm not healthy, it like it doesn't matter too, right. Like like there are certain fundamental truths in in all of this. The Lakers need to find ways to play better. I agree with playing more of the defensive minded players. And I think for a coach like Vogel, it makes sense that he would go in that direction in the first place. In terms of the center rotation, I prefer Mark up front and i think trez and drummond to a certain extent are duplicative uh, they're both interior players um they both want to finish around the basket they both provide not a lot of spacing either out on the perimeter or even vertical spacing right neither of them are are great lob threats drummond is more so than than trez Trez is a better finisher once he makes a catch on the interior. So there are pluses and minuses with with all of these these guys, right? And I do trust Frank to find the right things. Um, but this goes back to what we were saying the the last pod. 
what the Lakers really need is Anthony Davis to start to look like Anthony Davis again. And, and for all my talk about slotting and putting players in the best positions to, to succeed, the way that that happens easiest is when your best players play like they're actually the best players. And we have not been seeing that with AD lately. Maybe that changed against Denver and this point is out of date at this point. But over the course of the last part of the regular season and into the playoffs, to me, that's what the Lakers need as much as good health is they need they need the benefit of that good health to play out on the floor with the players playing closer to their talent level and if that's where this goes then i think everyone would start to feel better about the lakers chances in order to accomplish that i think that the team has to help pick ad up right i that this is part of the value of the togetherness and the off-court chemistry that the team has we need to get back to our identity defensively, right? And so how does that happen? And yeah, part of the value of playing the better defensive players is that Marcus Gasol is going to be much more likely, Darius, to call out uh, what's going on defensively, right? We talked about AD icing a screen that wasn't there, right? Drummond was in the ice position, but the difference between Drummond and Mark and and certainly Trez and Mark is that Mark is calling out like he recognizes you're icing this screen that isn't there. The guy went in the other way. And so you're putting your teammate, you're communicating to him. And that's what's important about those backline defenders about from your five spot yeah. is they can see everything offensively that's happening in front of them. And so they're really the captains of the defense because if you're a guard defending the ball handler, I can't see what's behind me, right? I'm def- I'm on the ball. I don't know the screens that are being set, the cuts that are being made because that's not happening in my field of vision. But having a guy like Mark back there, even if it's just the, and, and so much of what, where we've been bad defensively is nobody's talking. There's all these guys on five different islands defensively where, or there are a couple of guys that are engaged. Right. And so having those guys out there, the, the adult defenders on the team, the Wes Matthews and Mark Gasol, isn't just about the, what they can contribute. It's about getting back to the team's identity as a whole and helping AD get back to that point where there's more defensive structure around him. Cause like if AD gets right defensively, his jumper is going to fall. Like I'm not worried about the offensive end. He's too skilled that once he gets in a rhythm and a groove and locked into the game, I think the path to that is through defense first. And then you'll see his offensive numbers skyrocket from there. Well, yeah, AD, and this is true to a certain extent with with LeBron too, is they thrive on the transition from defense to offense. And when AD is at his best physically, he will be a dominant defensive player. And then that will then trigger and flow into the positioning on the floor and the flow of everything that's going to be a driver of of good offense for him as, as a player. The question is, is whether he gets there. And that's an open question right now and that's not to dog ad it's just what it is right now with him yep uh, so and as as uh my dog lila barks with the mere notion um of that of that right like it, it does kind of all come down to that and i the optimistic point of view would be that i would still rather bet on ad who looks healthy from his leg standpoint 
figuring something out there and turning a mental corner uh, than sort of not having that high-end talent like AD. Like if I were Portland or uh, Dallas and I just didn't think I had the horses. And for me, even Phoenix and to an extent Utah. Um, like I think, you know, like even Denver without Murray, like these teams that they don't have that talent that can play better. Right. They have to play their best with what they've had, other than maybe the Clippers, who I think have the requisite talent. So I, it's just it's a it's a far different position than we've been in uh, and even mentally approaching this, thinking that A.D. would look a little bit more like A.D. sooner. But the, the fact that he can get there to me is, I think, worth holding on to the hope. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. And I think that this week against these better teams is going to be. It just super critical in going down that path. So fingers crossed. Hopefully we can we can pull it together. And hopefully you're laughing and listening to this after a glorious victory in which, uh, you know, the Lakers surprised us all and showed the best of themselves against Denver. Uh, we'll be back f- uh, in, in a couple of days as as this week progresses. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the score. move. Two, one, miss it! It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.